0: At LuckyLandslots.com Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18+. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Today's episode is sponsored by Bear Attack Boxing. Buy boxers and for boxers. Producing high quality boxing gloves, boxing equipment, Muay Thai, kit boxing... All sorts of fantastic boxing products. I just want to bring you attention to a new product which has been brought out by Bear Attack Boxing, which is the checkerboard boxing gloves. They are available in 12 ounce and for the price of only £39. The new checkerboard gloves are the ideal training glove for a beginner or a seasoned pro. With the lightweight feel and wrist flexibility, you can freely fire your shots while still having the hand and wrist protection that you need. Whether it's training on the pads or it's on the heavy bag, Make sure you're training with checkerboard gloves. Go over and find them, bearattackboxing.co.uk. Find them on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Check out all the other available equipment that they produce. And again, you can find them, www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. And right now, Thomas Burns is an open book for
0: Ray Leonard.
2: Backs up against the ropes. This is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport. The first class... A tremendous victory.
3: Leonard fighting off the wall. It happened. It happened. Never got by.
1: Fans to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with myself, Sean Basto, shortly to be joined by Johnston Brown. And in this episode, here's the tale of Evander Holyfield versus Lennox Lewis from March 1999. It was the undisputed unified heavyweight championship of the world. All the recognised titles at that time were on the line. A Great event voted for by you, the users of Twitter, the listeners of BTR Boxing Podcast. We really appreciate you doing that. Now go and find us, check us out on social media. We are on BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook too. Subscribe to us, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM. We're on all good available podcasting apps out there. If you are subscribing to us already please go on there and leave us a review it really helps us we really appreciate the support so today's episode of legendary nights this is the tale of Evander holyfield versus lennox lewis So this is it, Johnston. This is the tale of Evander Holyfield versus Lennox Lewis from March 1999, as voted for by the users of Twitter. Thank you so much for getting involved with this one, in which is a week of controversial decisions and controversial outcomes in fights. So what about this fight then? What about this one? Holyfield versus Lewis, part of a saga, part of a, a Legendary Knights series which involves such epic fights and this one is no different and although we're going to discuss the fight itself and discuss all the build-ups of things and people might not think of this as oh well this this wasn't really the best of fights it was more about the controversy over it which is why when it went out on social media it was about controversial decisions in fights and obviously this was up against like you say the Whitaker Chavez and it was up against uh, De La Hoya, Trinidad but this one came out on top
4: yeah yeah and I think it was a great pick um I mean it helped huge significance from the heavyweight scene at the time Um, and rightly so I mean these two uh, were the two best heavyweights obviously Tyson still sit around at the time but um, this was a a big fight obviously it was was billed as, as, as Holyfield Lewis and it was uh, a massive pay-per-view event on uh, HBO and on Sky and uh, yeah it, 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 I mean I, I was excited about the fight at the time when it come up I, and you know it, it, it didn't live up to the hype as you say but obviously the controversy there that surrounded it was, uh, was pretty shocking.
1: So let's go through as we always then, let's touch on the careers of both men let's touch on the build up, touch on the fight and the aftermath. So going into it first, it was billed as Holyfield versus Lennox Lewis and Holyfield's career is obviously one of Hall of Fame standard due to the fact that he wasn't just a heavyweight people that don't know Evander Holyfield again, I don't know where you've been hiding and why you're listening to this episode, but he was also a fantastic cruiserweight in the 80s, winning multiple titles in the cruiserweight division but before eventually moving up to the heavyweight division, which was in 1989 so we're going to go back to 1989 really and sort of briefly touch through some of the stuff there where his career in the heavyweight division started to take off uh, he, won a, he won a couple of titles in the late 80s, early 90s, which were like, again, just like a rankings titles, really. WBC Continental America's title was was something you'd consider today as like your uh, international silver belts and things of that nature. But it was really when 1990 came around, which he came onto the scene in the heavyweight division by defeating a newly crowned James Buster Douglas to become the IBF, WBA and... WBC heavyweight champion of the world.
4: Yeah, of course. Uh, Buster Douglas, we all know that he was the man that uh, got rid of Tyson. Um, it, it was Tyson's first ever defeat, and it was a shocker. Unbelievable in terms of uh, you yeah, know, no one expected it. Everyone expected him to just get blasted out by Tyson as he had done. And uh, Douglas obviously picked up the win. Um, I think originally there was the long count situation without sort of going off on a, on a sort of tandem here, but with Douglas uh, if anyone has never seen the fight Tyson still says to this day that it was a long count when he put Douglas down so there was a lot of politics around it where a couple of I think it was the WBA and the WBC that wouldn't recognise Douglas as their champion and then after a, a little bit of I think about a week a few days later eventually they gave him you know recognition. recognition um, and then uh, Don King was obviously pressing to get the rematch but uh, Douglas ended up leaving Don King um, and then he decided to fight Holyfield who was as you say the new up and coming heavyweight at the time and he was a lot lighter and a lot of people were a bit unsure whether, whether Holyfield could cut it at the in the heavyweight scene he'd already proven himself uh, in, in a couple of the fights and um, yeah he took his chance and uh, obviously he, he picked up the titles which was a, a great performance from Holyfield
1: And then he goes on in his next fight and goes and fights, obviously, George Foreman, the guy who returned and also created history himself in the 90s. So he beats George Foreman via a unanimous decision, beats Burt Cooper, which, from what I recall, was a really good fight, and then beats an aged Larry Holmes via a unanimous decision before bumping in to what is definitely going to be a legendary night at some point of this series Riddick Bow in 1992 where he lost via a unanimous decision Oh
4: absolute brilliant fight um, it actually got Ring fight of the year and it also the 10th round in particular got round of the year It's an absolute belter um, a lot of people were a little bit sceptical to call back Holyfield whether he could withstand the power of Bo, and Bo did. I mean, he caught him several times, and Holyfield proved he had a granite chin and true an absolute unbelievable heart, which which we sort of already knew. But not in the heavyweight division, and 100. This has got to be a legend. Night at some point, Sean. it was an absolute brilliant fight.
1: Yeah, it was, and it's the start of something that that went on to be, like we said earlier, there, uh, an, an epic trilogy for sure. Uh, so obviously, he fights Riddick Bow again in '93, gets the titles back from Riddick Bowe with a majority decision, and this was only for the IBF and WBA as well. Then loses to Michael Moore in 1994, who then went on to lose to George Foreman in the same year making him the oldest heavyweight champion of all time at the age of 46 then went on to fight riddick bow again and lost via a tko in 95 and i think this was uh i don't know was 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 this the point where he had the heart scare or was that before before this third fight i can't remember
4: i think it was i think it was around this time um yeah i, I was like the timeline of it i'm not hundred percent sure I, I do remember hearing about it and then uh i think he had a medical they said he had something wrong with his heart and then he went because he's a very religious guy around the holyfield and he went to see his pastor and he, he he worked miracles apparently and he said if you go back to your doctor your heart will be cured um and then holyfield obviously being a very religious man went back to the doctors and they said it's been cleared so <laughs> um was it a miracle we don't know um I, i'm guessing what most people are assuming is that it was just uh the original medical was just, you know, they done it, it was wrong, basically. they are given the wrong results. Um, so, yeah, um, he had obviously that difficult. But, but one thing just before we move on uh, that second fight, if anyone doesn't remember the second fight against Riddick Bow, you remember it for James, the fireman, man Miller landed in the ring <laughs> in the sense round, late in the fight for 21 minutes. So, uh, yeah, go <laughs> back and have a look at that one because that is, that is an unbelievable. That, it's just bizarre, basically. It's bizarre. But, yeah, moving, moving back to. The third fight obviously he got he got done by boat. Um, but yeah, it was definitely heart complications. I'm not quite sure when it was though, Sean. Sure.
1: So then from there he bumps into to Mike Tyson, which again I don't know, would you class them as Legendary Nights because they the fights of Mike Tyson were two epic fights of their own because Tyson had obviously come out of prison after his rape conviction, he'd come back, he'd look ferocious, he'd look like the old Tyson, people were fearing him, he destroyed our beloved Frank Bruno early on in nineteen ninety six to win win the heavyweight title of the world and then he came and got into the ring with Evandy Holyfield who completely broke Tyson's heart in the first fight and frustrated him and and stopped Mike Tyson I think it was the 10th or 11th round of that particular fight but I know it was later on down the line of the fight it was a great fight to watch because you expected that Tyson was going to be the guy who just roll over Holyfield, and he was going to continue where he left off earlier on in his career. But it wasn't to be. Obviously, Evander Holyfield's heart and determination won over in this particular one, and he beats Tyson. And then the next year, he fights him again in what was again an infamous fight for the disqualification after Mike Tyson bit off and spat down in the middle of the ring a piece of Evander Holyfield's ear. <laughs>
4: Uh uh I'm still I was in disbelief. I mean at the first fight I think uh, I think I think Tyson sort of So On that first round in the first fight he's gone for it and it looked like he was gonna take Holyfield that early and Holyfield come back took it and come back with his own flower. And I think you could from that point Tyson thought, Yeah, this game is not gonna be easy to get rid of and obviously he he gets the win in the first fight and in this second one I think it was pretty much the same much the same way uh, and Tyson was it was a you know I think he knew he had his, he had his number basically and um, you know like I think I can't think who it was but someone said like you know when, when a dog gets scared that's when they bite you and that's exactly what happened to Tyson he got, it's crazy to say Mike Tyson being scared but he was he really wasn't I've never seen anything like it in the ring I, I will never see anything like it again hopefully but um, too Holyfield to credit when he, he gets a chunk of his ear bitten out uh, and you know he's, he's He's ready to carry on the guy <laughs> so shows you, know, you everything you need to know about field he had unbelievable heart unbelievable spirit Um but yeah, uh, definitely. I'm not, is it? Is the, the famous bike fight? Is it necessary?
1: The, I think the first one definitely is. The second one is just crazy. It's just X-rated. <laughs> it certainly is X-rated. So moving on, then he beats Michael Mora and then goes in against Vaughn Bean and can beats Vaughn Bean with a unanimous decision. Before then, going in the ring with our competitor for this show, which is Mr. Lennox Lewis, and we're going to talk about Lennox Lewis's career because Lennox Lewis also has. Had ...had a Hall of Fame career, but leading up to this point... ...he had a completely different route into this particular fight... ...going from being a British guy, born in London... ...moves over to Canada, competes in the Olympics... ...wins a gold medal in the Olympics for Canada... ...then starts his career out as a heavyweight... ...and then starts to build his heavyweight profile up... Uh, through the early to mid 90s and we're going to talk about a couple of notable fights here that I can look back on and say were good significant things that happened in his career he beat Gary Mason in 91 for the British and European heavyweight title I think that was quite a significant moment in his career for him, uh, he beat Mike Weaver, a legendary fighter of the 80s great fighter of the 80s from the heavyweight scene, Glenn McCrory as well, obviously beat Glen McCrory uh, in the same year, this all happened in 1991 and and then he goes on to beat Tyrell Biggs, a former Tyson opponent. So, in the space of 1991, he had four, I would say, quite significant fights, which really led him on to the next few years of his career.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he went through that um, domestic route, didn't he? Um, as you say, East Londoner. Uh, although he did move out. You know, he was actually bullied in Canada for his Cockney accent. So, that's what brought him into boxing as a kid. So, you know, it, for anyone that doubted the fact was he ain't English. he's Canadian he wasn't he was he was he was an Englishman um and uh yeah he had, had you know McCrory fight sorry, um was was a good a significant fight obviously the Tyrell Briggs definitely he put Briggs down three times in the third to win that by knockout and then he went on to win the British title outright against Derrick William in
1: So he moves on from there, then, and he beats Donovan Razor Ruddock at Earl's Court. Great performance there uh, to get the Commonwealth heavyweight title or defend the Commonwealth heavyweight title in that fight. Beats Tony Tucker, another guy from the '80s, to become the World Boxing Council, the WBC world heavyweight champion in '93. That was uh, obviously a obviously very significant moment, given the fact that Tony Tucker, like I said, at this point was 48 and one going into the fight with Lennox Lewis. Significant experience over Lewis but Lewis ground out a unanimous decision over him and then the next fight was a brilliant fight a fantastic fight one of the fights that I think you know all British boxing fans will certainly remember is when Lennox Lewis took on Frank Bruno in 1993 defending the WBC title
4: Ah, oh, it was it's one of my favorite fights um I, I'm it was just brilliant um I, as I said I was a Bruno fan personally and I rooted with Bruno that night, and I thought he took sort of early stages out with his jab, um, but then Lewis come back and, and finished him eventually in the seventh. Um, it proved he was, uh, you know, he was better than Bruno. I think I think he sort of fought that fought yeah, Bruno was always the underdog, wasn't he? But it was a great fight. And I believe that fight was at one o'clock in the morning, if I, if I remember rightly. Um, it was because they wanted to make sure it went sort of prime time in America. So that was why that fight took place so early in the morning. But just just before that, he touched on with Donovan, uh, the Donovan the Rudd Donovan Ruddock fight, and then um, interestingly, that was the time when uh, it was. Holyfield was fighting Tyson and Ruddock was fighting Lewis. And it was a contract signed where they were supposed to fight each other as winners. The winners of both fights will fight each other. Ruddock Bow won his fight against Holyfield and Lewis won his fight against Ruddock Bow. Um, but then we had the famous Ruddock Bow where he threw the WBC belt in the bin. I don't know yep. if anyone recalls that, but yeah, and there was a, there was a dispute about sort of split which is pretty, you know, you think about how it is today, you know, it, it, it's, it's been going on for years, basically. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, yeah, that issue, and obviously the, the, the Tony Tucker fight as well, where, uh, uh, if I remember, again, it was uh, Lewis was supposed to get 2.5 million um, if Frank Maloney had accepted both oh. terms. Well, you know, uh, Lewis was, was, was supposed to get 2.5 million. When he threw that out in the bin, Lewis actually ended up getting $9 million that fight against Tony Tucker which was quite interesting as well so I'd wanted like to say there's a lot for before the Bruno fight but brilliant fight against Bruno and uh, a good performance from Lewis
1: so 1994 comes around. He goes in for a defence against Oliver McCall, who was 24 and five at the time he fought Lennox Lewis. And these are this is something quite relevant at the moment. This point of the episode where Oliver McCall beats Lennox Lewis, shockingly beats Lennox Lewis, something that wasn't expected to happen. Very much like what's happened over the past week with Anthony Joshua losing to Andy Ruiz Jr. Oliver McCall stopped Lennox Lewis, and Lennox Lewis lost his WBC title, again shocking nobody expected that to happen at the time Lennox Lewis was the guy, he was the man he was the man that people didn't want to fight, he was the man that Riddick Bo avoided but yet Oliver McCall goes in there with five losses on his record, stops Lennox Lewis to become the WBC heavyweight champion
4: Ah oh, yeah it was it was the second round uh, and, he, and he caught him beautifully with a right hand um, and put Lewis down, Lewis did manage to get up he was staggering about he still believes to this day he, he could have carried on in the referee, stopped the fight too early It was all sorts of trouble. I mean, one thing I do remember is is the McCall leap. I remember him just leaping in the air and touching his toes, um, because it was such a shock. And you know, it was at Wembley Arena in London. um, And and it was after that fight that Lewis actually fired uh, Pepe Carrera, his trainer, um, and actually hired Emmanuel Stewart, who was actually in McCall's corner on the night as well of the defeat. So, um, yeah, as you say, significant in terms of what we've just witnessed over the weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah, real shocker for Lewis, and it was back to drawing board.
1: It certainly was back to the drawing board for Lennox. And he did come back, however, and he started to pick up TKO victories. One that's most notable for me, or two of them that are most notable for me, happened in '95 and '96. So, he won a very lightly regarded IBC, International Boxing Council Heavyweight title, against none other than Tommy Morrison, a.k.a. Tommy Gunn from Rocky Five. Now, he was a hell of a fighter in himself, but Lennox Lewis did a great number and stopped Tommy Morrison. Uh, And won that lightly regarded title, which then led him on to a great fight with Ray Mercer, which he won via majority decision. So two great fights there uh, in '95, there in '96, which I felt were again significant fights leading in to his fight and rematch with Oliver McCall.
4: Yeah, yeah, a a brilliant fight with Tommy Morrison and obviously Ray Mercer, and he he really started to prove himself that you know that that was just one of those performances. It was he was in bad form against McCall in that first fight you know with, with obviously we mentioned Manuel Stewart has come in and he he he's, he's corrected some of the wrongs um, he started to really work on that jab and obviously really establishes himself as one of the, the main guys in the division he gets the rematch with McCall which took a bit of time because Oliver McCall was going for a bit of a crazy moment of his life where he was on crack cocaine and then he went into rehab and then he had an instant room for a Christmas tree in some hotel uh, hotel place somewhere I don't know what it was about but um, it looked like it wasn't going to happen eventually after coming out of rehab he come out he fought the Colton and then obviously he, he won the WBC heavyweight title and you know Rectify
1: that loss. He certainly did rectify that loss. And just touching on that particular fight, it's quite an iconic moment in boxing history. People do look back on this one as as, as one of the strangest things that's happened in boxing history. We talk about obviously the the, the fan man coming in on the parachute with Bowen Holyfield earlier on, but this one was also quite significant because it was quite sad to see Oliver McCall breaking down in the middle of a fight and crying, basically not wanting to carry on the fight. It's much different from Roberto Duran saying he didn't want to carry on the fight this was different this guy clearly had mental issues at the time uh, and needed to to, to basically stop the fight and it's something that we've we've never seen since and i don't think we'll ever we'll ever see again but in you know 1997 mental health awareness was completely different and this was something that you know became quite prominent after the fact as a result of that so going on then he beats uh, henry akinwadi via a disqualification in their fight uh, quite an interesting one as well. Henry Ackermann was an absolute beast of a man, and that was a it was a great fight. And I can let you touch on that one in a second. But Galotta, he fought Andrew Galotta next. beats Galotta by KO, and then ninety eight. What a fantastic fight he had with Shannon the Cannon Briggs. Another fantastic fight, and another fantastic name in the resume of Lennox Lewis.
4: Yeah, Shannon Briggs. I mean, people he's a bit of a laughing stock at the minute, in you a with know, his uh, Let's Go champ. But um, he was a fighter. And he, I mean, he, he had he actually held the lineal world title at the time, which he had just won off of uh, George Foreman. So you know it was a it was a great opportunity for Lennox Lewis to pick up the WBC title and obviously pick up the lineal heavyweight title, which at the time was on a decline because George Foreman just sort of just completely ruined the title really by fighting sort of low key fighters. So, but the fight itself was an absolute banger. It was it was back and forth, back and forth, and then eventually um, Briggs he got stopped in the fifth. But a really excellent, excellent fight. It
1: was an excellent fight, and I think it's definitely one that when I talk about his career and talk about some of the fights uh, Lewis was involved in. Obviously, you know you got the Bruno fight there to go look back on. You've got the Oliver McCall, uh, and I'm not saying it because of obviously the mental health side of things. I'm saying it because it was a, it's an iconic moment, a significant moment in in, in the sport of boxing. And then you have got the Shannon Briggs fight, which was a brilliant fight to watch. And I remember watching it. I do vaguely remember watching that fight because I remember you know Shannon Briggs coming in there so fast, so accurate. Uh, he was billed as obviously this, this guy who was going to come in there and stop Lewis and then Lewis just managed to find that way and that way of beating him and he did and then Lewis moved on in his career then he got unanimous decision against Elkhorn Mur- I can't pronounce his name Marovic so he defended the WBC title against Marovic which leads nicely in then to the fight that we're discussing today which is against Evander Holyfield so then let's move on let's go into the main bulk of this episode then and we're going to talk about the build-up to the fight because obviously the build-up was was very significant because these two guys uh, had obviously you know the, these were the top guys of the division at the time. There was it was so significant this particular fight because the heavyweight landscape had been a bit hit and miss for the past few years with the likes of Tyson coming back and then going away again, and then you had the likes of obviously Lewis on the scene. You had Riddick Bowe, Holyfield, and then George Foreman even at the age of forty-six. It was it was a bit chaotic, I think, in the nineties, and it was a it was a great time for boxing. Don't get me wrong, but it was it was quite a chaotic situation when when this fight occurred. But at the time this fight occurred, we had the IBF world title on the line, the vacant IBO world title on the line, the WBA title on the line, and the WBC title all up for grabs from both men. It was a real interesting build up into the fight. What are your initial memories? Of the build-up to this
4: particular fight, I just I do remember they they were the best two for me at the time. Um, I felt that they were the two best heavyweights around. Um, so the excitement was there, you know. You got the two best heavyweights fighting each other for the first time, and you know, anyone that had watched both fighters, you know, Evander Holyfield brought that heart and that spirit. And you know, one thing about Evander Holyfield, watching him move through as a cruiserweight, I, I mean, I wasn't around. I was around, but I wasn't really a watch. You know, I'm I'm looking on stuff back back in the day when you look at the cruiserweight stuff around the Holyfield. But he had that wonderful... He had the ability to throw a, a beautiful combination. And as I say, his heart was always there. He was always ready to get on the inside. He could take a shot. And then you had Lennox Lewis, who had the long reach, and under Emmanuel, who had just developed into this, you know, had this immaculate jab, and, and, and then uh, would go around right. He had the ability to be able to box a fighter, keep him away, and then put him away. He was, a, he was a good boxer puncher. He wasn't just a jab. like He wouldn't just win a fight on by a round. I mean, Larry Holmes is always going to be known for sort of the master of the jabs, and Ali, obviously, as well. But Lewis was up there with him. The way Emmanuel got him fighting and, and just worked on all his flaws. So it was just massive. And, and I'm, I think Bob Fitzsimmons was the was the was, was the last undisputed, if you like, a hundred years ago. Um, and uh, so that was the billing, was it? That, you know, that although we had world champions, no one was the undisputed world champion. And Lewis had the opportunity for this glorious moment to, to beat an American in his own backyard and, and, and become a heavyweight undisputed world champion which was the first we'd seen in 100 years. And but, funny enough, Bob Fitzsimmons had lost to James Jeffries exactly 100 years ago in New York. So it was all just simmering really nicely. And, and it was just the excitement around the fight. And, and even Holyfield coming out saying he's going he's gonna to beat him up in two rounds and he's going to put him away in three. So it was, it was, it was just... It, I, I just remember getting ready and staying up all night to watch this fight because it was just it was so big.
1: What was the difference maker in this was that... Holyfield's normally such a mild mannered guy at this point. You didn't really see a lot of a lot of spite in him, you know, even with the stuff he'd been through with Tyson. He was normally just a mild mannered character, but he was quite uncharacteristic in this one. It wasn't it wasn't like him to sit there and say, you know, I'm gonna dominate the first two rounds of the fight before knocking Lewis out in the third. That to me sort of screamed out, this guy has he's genuinely concerned he's genuinely concerned about the threat that Lewis poses against him because why would he sit there and and throw out these comments when he'd never threw comments about other opponents before if to me it was kind of he, he knew there was he knew Lewis might have his number in this one and that's what I think and that's why I think he said these things at the time because he knew he was in for a hell of a night against Lennox lewis but it wasn't really uh, majorly the most entertaining of build ups that we 've covered in the legendary Night series, but I think that the most notable part of it is what you both, what you 've said and i 've just said there about you know Holyfield coming out and predicting when he 's going to end the fight and that 's not normally something he did going into this fight, and I think it led us nicely into to, to what was billed as a huge heavyweight fight at the time, billed as Holyfield versus Lewis, so Holyfield was the the a side essentially in this and Lewis was the B-side, although he held a world title himself and a lineal title, it was obviously Evander Holyfield he was the guy, he was the American fighter, he was in America, he was significant, Dunking, obviously you know what he's like, sniffing around one (laughs) thing that was quite significant about it was like you said earlier and touched on about Lewis getting Emmanuel Stewart, who also used to train Evander Holyfield as well
4: Yes he did, yes he was one of his trainers yeah, Yes, it's interesting they had that he would have known about Holyfield and what he brings um, at close close knit, if you like. So it, it was always a plus to have him in your corner. Um, and obviously, Usain uh, of van Hulle being the a side. I mean, he was the one that got the twenty. He got twenty million dollars, and uh, Lewis got ten. So for, just from from the purses themselves, you could see that you know he was considered the a side, and Lewis just accepted it. You know, and he went to America, and he was like, "I'm going to beat this guy." And you know, he he bit the he bit the bullet. He he wanted that recognition you know he wanted to be the first guy since Riddick Bowe to be the undisputed heavyweight champion which was in 92 so there was a lot on the line for both guys um and and then that we I mean we took seven thousand British fans out to watch Lewis and you ever if you listen to the fight, whether you listen to it on HBO or you listen to it on Sky, you can hear that, that sort of football vibe, English fans singing Lewis and it it, it was it, that that's one thing we get. As, as a British fighter, you go to America, I mean people say, Yeah, you might not get the decision out there, but you do get the fans and they really do back our fighters and uh, it was it was a big, big fight. I think even um uh, the actual gate it it produced thirteen point five million as well. As you say, it was a donking promotion. Um, and also, one thing I noticed was that Arthur Vasanti uh, Junior was actually the son of uh, obviously Arthur Vasanti Senior. But <coughs> his dad was actually oh excuse me, his dad was actually a referee in the fight of the century in nineteen seventy one between Arlene and Frazier. So just to throw that in as well.
1: Yeah, great little fight there to throw in. So, the fight itself then. So, after watching the fight back recently to, to, to cover it for this episode, we touched on it both at the beginning. I touched on it at the start of the episode. You touched on it just after me. It wasn't the most enthralling of fights to, to, to watch as such, but he did have some entertaining and, and good moments within the fight so just starting out then Johnston, the the mm. first round was quite it, it, it was quite hectic, both of them came out of the blocks and both of them wanted to, to, to take centre ring in the first round of the fight, they both threw and landed some great power punches I think towards the end of round number one, you could see Holyfield was starting to get a little bit frustrated that he wasn't able to get through on Lewis as much as what he wanted to Uh, and at one point towards the end of round number one Holyfield he literally tries to to wrestle Lewis to the ground which I thought was quite entertaining because straight away that again watching it back now against watching it at the time was like you could tell then that for me Holyfield straight away knew he was going to be in for a difficult night and I know I said it a little bit earlier but that was evident to me straight away he couldn't he couldn't out hustle him, he couldn't muscle him in that first round so what did he do? He just decides to sort of show his physical strength by trying to wrestle him to the ground
2: Just occasionally a little tentative with that jab Lewis, they'll have both fought this fight a thousand times in their head Holyfield has some big physical problems to overcome if he needs Needs to get close to Lewis. Holyfield, you think would want to get onto the inside where he can unleash those damaging hooks right to the body? Lewis just off balance more than anything. He's caught by the left hook and a right hand. Best yet
3: from Holyfield. Holyfield will try to get into his rhythm. When he lets his punches go in that rhythm, he looks very, very good. Oh, and
2: Holyfield there lifted Lewis. His backside, off his feet. What an extraordinary end to the opening round.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a bizarre incident, wasn't it? Um, where he lifted him up and it wasn't well, like he going to throw him over his head at one point. Um, but yeah, for Lewis's jab, I mean, he established the jab nice and early. He was going to keep Van der bait in the first two rounds. For me, he he won quite clearly. Um, although Holyfield, he sort of said he was going to do what he was going to do in the first two rounds. He didn't quite deliver. He didn't fire enough shots, um, and Lewis was just able to just keep him away, keep him at bay. And as he came in close, he would sort of just tie him up. And so the first two rounds. Was uh, was pretty much uh, Lewis's rounds. Um, and then obviously we moved into that third round, and uh, that's when Holyfield was sort of saying in his corner, This is the round he goes at. So when he was sort of he, he was speaking to his corner, so you knew he was going to come out and he's going to go for it, and he did, and he won the round. He won the third round quite clearly. He was fans, some combinations, um, and he did catch. Lewis who's up against the ropes um, and then he threw a massive haymaker which, which Lewis managed to get out of the way of so uh, he, he, you're thinking now actually right? So he hasn't got rid of him in the third but he's going to have a go now this, this fight's going to really heat up um, and, and one thing I did notice was, was, was the the, the, uh, the guard Lewis's guard was so high up it was almost protecting his belly one thing that i watching him back and I didn't really notice it at the time or I don't remember noticing it and the referee didn't even say so yeah it's just, just interesting that he had it so high, and that
1: third round in particular, like you say, was where Holyfield came out. He landed a great left hook in that round, and he backed Lewis up against the ropes. who He covered up quite well, to be fair to him. Uh, Holyfield did get a couple of shots off, but Lewis was, you know, was really on point, fighting off the ropes. Uh, they were both exchanging really, really hard blows at the end of the round, and I think it led nicely into to the fourth round where Holyfield again came out and was trying to get the better of the action. And and for me, for the majority of the round, did get the better of the action in the fourth round and then moving into the fifth I think this is where the fight started to turn the tide a little bit because Lewis stunned Holyfield with a right hand backed him up into the corner within the first minute of round number five Holyfield took some punishment in that round from Lewis and there, my thoughts from round number five was that Lewis just absolutely went to town on Evander Holyfield and Evander Holyfield you know it was quite lucky to be honest with you because there was exchanges in that round where I felt like if that would have been a referee today they might have even jumped in at one point.
3: The jab from Lewis, I think it's the key for Lewis's game plan to use that jab well and then bring the right hand behind it. Covering right, seemed to just hurt Holyfield
2: momentarily. Wanted to cover up, but his powers of recovery are brilliant usually because of his conditioning. I wonder if he's just trying to kid Lewis here. Oh, right hand, looked a cracker from Lewis. Holyfield covering up, some of these are landing on the arms, but he definitely got through with a couple.
3: Two very very heavy right
2: hands from Lewis. He's measuring him for size, there was a right uppercut too, Lewis back on top here. And there's that body shot that Manny Stewart, the trainer, asked him for. Oh and there's a right uppercut and a right cross, left up to the body, Holyfield in trouble here. Holyfield swaying on those ropes and here he is in another crisis in his career. But this man is probably the best boxer of all time in a crisis.
3: Holyfield needing all his knowledge of survival there, blocking the shot, trying to turn away from him just to take that little bit of power out of him, but he doesn't really need to stand and take shots like
0: that from Lewis.
4: Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, Lewis landed that that big right hand right on the top of Holyfield's head. Um, And it did look, and he he sort of had an arm on the ropes, didn't he? And he caught him with some big uppercuts as well. And he did look a little bit worse for wear. And maybe the reputation of Holyfield allowed the referee to just allow it to, you know, for it to continue. But, I mean, he was on the ropes. I've got to know, 45 seconds he was on the ropes without throwing a punch. So as we say today, that, it could have easily, someone could have stepped in it. It would have been a quick and a, probably a, a wrong stoppage, but, you know, it, to be fair, I mean, you know, 45 seconds of that throwing a punch and you're getting hit in the ropes, you know, in a way, you, you're sort of surrendering it, but, as I say, reputation probably helped Holyfield. Everyone knew he was, had a solid chin and he could he could carry on, and obviously he did. Um, but he did actually, I think there was a small cut which opened up on the bridge of Lewis's nose right on the end of the fifth as well. So so he, he must have whithered with his head because he, did, he sort of leaned in with his head a little bit. But um, it was a very good fifth round. Like, I really enjoyed that fifth round. And I, I, I'm with you. and I, I feel that it was looking like Lewis is going to really take control of his fight.
1: And in the sixth round, Holyfield actually hurt Lewis early on in the round. But then Lewis landed an absolute peach of an uppercut, which hurt Holyfield. So you could see Holyfield as gritty and as determined and and all the heart that he had in the world. Lewis was still just outgunning him. So no matter what Holyfield threw at Lewis, Lewis always had a response. And that was quite significant and, and, and what would be quite significant for the remainder of the fight. Round number seven, you could see here... Holyfield's starting to get frustrated. Now he comes tumbling towards Lewis, basically bringing both of them to the floor. It was like he'd speared him. It was like a. It was like an American football tackle. Uh, it was hilarious to, to, to watch but you could see you could see that it was frustration more than anything, you know he just kind of came in trying to throw a punch but it just ended up taking him down instead and then Lewis landed multiple combinations and he, he couldn't miss at this point, this is where Holyfield starts to follow him around the ring a little bit and even the commentator made a point as well, when you listen back to the HBO commentary, they're saying to him Holyfield's following him around the ring this is where I think he starts to for me he starts to sort of unravel a little bit not significantly but unravel a bit where i think lewis he's got the psychological edge in the fight i wonder
2: how they've got this so far as we move into the second half of the contest here's how clen's seeing it
3: i'm seeing it with lewis two rounds ahead winning the last two and now they both wrestle to the floor holyfield not happy about all that
2: Let's act like champions, says referee Arthur McCarthy Jr. Stop all that, it got a bit nasty and silly. It wasn't a knockdown. Oh, and look at Lewis straight away. Hits him with a jab and a lowish-looking punch as well. And Manny Stewart is shouting at Lewis to unload. Don't be tentative, let the power tell his saying... He's banging
3: on the ring apron, Manny Stewart, the trainer. Well, he waited too long there, he allowed Holyfield off the ropes. That was a point where Lewis should have really followed his conviction, followed up with punches. He stung Holyfield just on the break, he should have followed that up.
2: It's the enigmatic part of Lennox Lewis's nature. It's why some in America have doubted him. His answer would be, look, I know what I'm doing Lewis all the time very of the left hook of Holyfield that floored both
3: bow and Kaisley this is where Manish Stewart wants Lewis to take over to be the boss to really impose himself on Holyfield Deal a little cautious Lewis
2: another good right hand and again, Manny Stewart, the trainer, waves Lewis in, but he refuses to do that. He doesn't want to get suckered by Cavendish. Great uppercut. Then a left hook from Lewis. Holyfield has to take those again. And this is good from Lennox Lewis here. Mixing them up. He's dominating. He's winning this at the moment. And I do stress, at the moment, he's got him again. Holyfield's face is swelling up. This looks so good for Lennox Lewis at this stage.
4: Oh, absolutely. Uh, the seventh round was probably, I mean, we're about the fifth, but the seventh round was probably the round of the fight. And I, and I thought from this point, you know, watching it live at the time and watching it back, I mean, you sort of think, oh, this, this, this fight's really going to ignite now. And Lewis, it was a clear round for Lewis that round. I mean, he, he threw a, a right uppercut if you a left hand and then a right hand. It was a wonderful combination on Holyfield. It really did it does him in and it, it it did hurt Holyfield. And and it was looking one way traffic at this point. Um and as you say that <laughs> it literally just wasn't the him to the floor, didn't he, Holyfield you, you could sense the frustration in the guy who was you know he, he really wanted to just get inside and have a, have a tussle like like he did with wood at bar but lewis wasn't going to allow him to do that lewis is a, was a clever fighter he had a clever guy in the corner with uh emmanuel stewart who you know it was just literally about keeping him away and and tying him up if he got close um and there was a you know the telltale signs of soul and left eye as well by the end of the seventh round and you're sort of thinking yeah this is going to be one-way traffic and then uh the one thing that happened in the seventh was the ref, Machanichinla, uh, he showed some excellent reflexes uh, and just avoided uh, yes. around the his left hook.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually the video that we posted out on the Twitter and That's Facebook right. pages of the referee dodging that left hook. That was some uh, that was some Matrix stuff going on there, wasn't oh. it? That dodging and telling <laughs> was you. it was brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> but going back to rounds number eight and nine, I think Luis, for me, you know, had taken them. He was he was starting to box quite comfortable comfortably I think at this point and he was boxing quite well as uh, uh on, the, on the back foot as Holyfield was coming forward he was keeping Holyfield at bay with a jab and I think it was where we get into round number 10 is where Holyfield's obviously been told he must have been told by his corner at this point you need to go out there and be more aggressive in this fight because you're losing it because he came out so aggressive for that 10th round he come forward he landed a couple of great notable shots in the round, but Lewis, although he was under fire from Holyfield, still managed to get a few great shots off of his own, and I think it was it was the same in round 11 to be honest as well, it was very much the same for rounds 10, 11 and 12, it was a case of Holyfield knew he had to win rounds in the fight and to do that he had to come forward, be aggressive and had to take chances in the fight as well and as, as obviously we get into round 11 and 12, you can see they're both exhausted Lewis starts to open up a little bit more, but both of them are Starting to open up on each other, and I think the, the, the final stanza, the championship rounds, as they call them, rounds ten, eleven, and twelve, were, were were quite entertaining ones because we got to see the skill of Lennox Lewis fighting under pressure, and we also got to see the heart and determination of Evander Holyfield trying his hardest to win that fight.
4: Yeah, I think I think for me, Holyfield started to actually throw some punches. I mean, I mean, he did. He, he had obviously he had some success in in rounds previous, but. In particular, around sort of ten and eleven for me, R, R gave him to Holyfield just because he started to really he-, he got right in front of Lewis. Whether Lewis, as you say, was getting tired gradually, I mean, the jab wasn't wasn't popping the head back as much, was it? It was, it was, it was a pouring jab, but it was it sort of Evander Holyfield was able to to come in on the jabs. He was able to get in close, and he was he threw some big shots himself. Obviously, he got caught, but um, as you say, Lewis showing his. Style and his ability to be able to, you know, to, to manoeuvre himself out of trouble when when Holyfield did get close enough, he was he was allowed to back back him up. And in a way, um, I suppose, was, whether he, as you say, whether his title or whether he just sort of allowed Holyfield to just close that gap a little bit, and uh, and and he was just catching him with some good shots and. But uh, you know, Lewis was—he felt in control. I think as you're watching the fight, although Amanda Holyfield picked up that for me, he, he picked up round ten and eleven. Um, you know, going into the twelfth, I just think Lewis needed to just win it, just just to make hundred percent sure. And for me, that's exactly what he did. I thought I thought he won the twelfth round. It was another good round. The crowd was singing, even uh, shouting, sort of chanting Lewis's name. And even when um, when Holyfield sort of was, was still trying his best to try and catch the shot, I mean he must have known he needs to knock Lewis out to win this fight. I think that's what he was thinking in his head and Lewis was, was a master at just keeping the fighter at bay and just just being able to clinch uh, when they come in close and just avoid any any big shots um, and You know the reactions from the bell I think I think says it all the way. Lewis puts his hands in the air, and Holyfield sort of just turns away because I think Holyfield deep down knew he lost the fight, but it was a well, yeah, he didn't, but you know, <laughs> we're getting to that in a minute. But it was—I it, like—I enjoyed it. right at the end of the fight. I was—I was getting into. It. I mean, we all were at home, and uh, it was—it was a—it was, was a great, great sort of last few rounds, and it was exciting. And you think Lewis has done this? This is it. Lewis has won the fight. There's no way around Holyfield is going to get a result here tonight.
1: <laughs> I think what was the telling factor for me at the end of the fight was the fact that, as you said there, Lennox Lewis raises his arms evander holyfield just sort of the body language always tells you the story at the end of the fight and this was no different evander holyfield just looked like you know he knew he'd lost essentially and then we move on to the scorecards and it was, you know, Lennox Lewis looked really confident. When they do the split screen of both of them and they're both there and you could see Lewis looks confident, his corner look confident and they read out the scorecard 116-113 to Lewis and they read out the scorecard 115-113 to Holyfield and you can see the bemusement start to creep into the face of Lewis and his corner and then you get the English judge who scored it 115-115 a draw and it was like, what the hell has just happened
2: here? Ladies and gentlemen, after 12 rounds of boxing here at Madison Square Garden, we go to the scorecards at this time. Judge at ringside, Eugenia Williams scores about 115 to 113 in favor of Evander Holyfield. American Judge. Judge Ed ringside, Stanley Christodoulou scores about 116 to 113 in favor of Lennox Lewis. British judge next. Judge at ringside, Larry O'Connell scores the bout. 115 to 115. Even a draw. The decision is even a draw. Both champions retain their It is benefits. a draw. And it is a draw because Larry O'Connell,
3: the London judge, scored it even. What about that? Unbelievable. The irony in, in that the London judge has given it even he's it's a draw for lennox lewis amanda holyfield and lewis is shocked by that he cannot believe that lennox
2: lewis And oh, well i did warn you i did say be cautious because you never know how the judges are reading it but i think lennox lewis has won that fight and i'll go out on a limb here i think he's been robbed
1: this was a clear win for lennox lewis and even the the great late harold lederman has lewis i think it was about four or five rounds up at this point at the end of the fight so for a guy that had been doing it for such a long time and most ringside observers having Lewis win this fight but yet the judges didn't have it the same and what was quite interesting to find out about this is after the facts had happened and the decision had been made uh, and we went away and we had the rest of history come about it actually turned out that the American judge Eugenia Williams she declared Evander Holyfield the winner now she initially denied that there was any wrongdoing in that scorecard, and after reviewing a replay of the fight, she stated she still would have called it a draw, which was quite interesting. <laughs> but then the British judge Larry O'Connell, who scored the fight a draw, he we also received a fair amount of criticism, of course, with him being uh, a British judge and you know giving it a draw. He it actually said he'd made a mistake. He said he feels sorry for himself he'd taken all that stick but he felt even more sorry for Lennox Lewis because he'd made a decision which had impacted that particular fight and and as we talk about briefly in the aftermath it essentially didn't lead on to to, to, to as much damage as what you thought it would have done but at the time it was a very controversial decision and one more little bit of information before you, you jump in there Johnston is punch stats Lewis landed 348 power punches in that fight against Holyfield's 130. That's pretty much near enough, double of what Holyfield had landed in the fight. And for me, that tells you the story of how the fight went.
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I just, I've, I've always meant before, show that I'm not a massive fan of Punch Stats. But um, it was clear to see, clear to see that Lewis won the fight. Even without that, he won the fight. I mean, it it was a dreadful decision. Um, it was, it you know, it was met with loud boos from the crowd. Um, as you mentioned, Jim Jim Lampley on uh, HBO and George Foreman, they were calling it a travesty and a shame. Um, it, it, there was there was all sorts of the new, even the New York Mayor came. <laughs> who was a uh, Ruddy uh, Giuliani, I'm probably murdering the guy's name, but he come out and said, I'm embarrassed to be a New Yorker. Um, I know boxing as well as I know being mad. There's no way Holis this would the fight. This is a travesty what happened. And as you've mentioned before, obviously Larry O'Connor came out and said he felt pig sick about the whole thing and you know, he felt embarrassed. For, you know for himself and and obviously sorry that Lennox next didn't get the result, but the one interesting uh uh bit of information I have picked up was the Sunday mirror actually put a uh, uh on on the front of their paper that uh, they they basically indicated that judge Eugenia williams um basically had taken a a a, a bung deal basically, so they were saying that there was a secret bank account with a total of thirty thousand dollars in it after the fight um, Eugene obviously decided now she's not as an issue because to cult and actually ended up getting a settlement. So, <laughs> um, good for her to be fair. Poor, poor judging. Um, she actually didn't do any work again until 2003 which just shows you how poor, how people, you know, thought. God, who wants this woman <laughs> to be judging here. So Yeah, yeah unbelievable decision it was it was probably you know it's got to be up there with one of the worst
0: decisions ever
4: um one of the most controversial decisions in boxing history um i mean i still can't believe that anyone could call it a draw um you know it is what it is and as we know it didn't have massive significant impact on what you know what happened obviously we've got the rematch but yeah really really poor decision but um what can you do? I, it it, it will always go down in history as one of those
0: robberies. I'm saying, did did, him, did he hit me with a jab? I hit him with jabs all night. Did he ever shake you up? Not not in the least. Not one bit. I cannot believe the outcome. I cannot believe the outcome. As the rounds were clicking
2: on, was there any doubt in your mind that maybe things were getting close? That perhaps you really had to put them away? That you needed a ten-eight round? That you needed to win with conviction down the stretch?
0: No, I thought that I, I won. Uh, I lost at least about two rounds. I lost two rounds. That's all I felt.
2: What about a rematch? Right now, can you take any solace in the fact that you're completely convinced you're the, you're the better man? How do you walk away from this and leave it alone? You have to go right back at him.
0: Well, I believe I believe this should be an automatic rematch. I doubt if he's going to want to fight me again. Uh, he, I, like I said in the beginning evander holyfield never seen nothing like lennox lewis and he looked like an old man in there he he looked slow to me he was missing a lot of punches i hit him with jabs right hands he was hurt a couple times i don't even know what the judges were looking at so what are we going to look for now i
2: mean how do you go back to work monday
0: (laughs) disappointed but i'm happy because the whole world's seen it for themselves i I i know i know they wouldn't let me i know they wouldn't let me leave with all three belts without trying to do some kind of funny business you know, I, you know, it, it worried me because it was a Don King uh, uh, promotion. But what, you know, what can I say? You know, I boxed him in his home turf and still won.
1: It certainly will, so let's go into the final segment of the episode then the aftermath for both fighters as you said there, the rematch happened later on in 1999 and we got the final victory for Lennox Lewis, he got the unanimous decision in what was a better fight than the first fight, a more quality fight but an even bigger fight because of obviously the scandal of the first fight, so we got that win, he moved on, he beat the likes of Michael Grant, Francis Balfour David Tua, before he bumped into hassing Rachman in South Africa where he got KO'd with what was called the Lucky Punch. Now, there's plenty of stories about what happened there and, and I would recommend you go and listen to Lennox Lewis directly. Um, he's on Mike Tyson's podcast, uh, Bite the Mic. If you go and have a listen to the interview with Lennox Lewis about the Haseen Rackman fight it's a very interesting listen because actually there was a lot of surrounding factors going on at the time going into that but immediately as we've seen with what's happened over the weekend with Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz what happened was Haseen Rackman had to give the rematch to Lennox Lewis and Lennox Lewis went in there and produced a stunning 5th round KO and then we got the fight that we'd wanted to see 10 years earlier, 11 years earlier Lennox Lewis versus Mm -hmm. Mike Tyson absolute fantastic memories of the build up to this, probably again we've said it earlier about other fights this has definitely got to be uh, a legendary night's episode and got to go in one of the polls in the future because you know I could sit here and talk about that one all day because of how good the build up was to this particular fight but he knocked out Mike (laughs) Tyson in 2002 and then in his final fight of his career was an absolute barnstormer against Vitaly Klitschko where he won via a stoppage because of the cuts on Vitaly Klitschko's eye so that summed up the career of Lennox Lewis a hall of fame worthy career fantastic career great for British boxing and then we move on to Evander Holyfield who stayed on just a little bit longer than Lennox Lewis in fact and stuck around so after he lost Lewis fought John Ruiz uh, beat Ruiz to win back the vacant WBA heavyweight title then lost to Ruiz then fought Ruiz for a third time in a row and got a split decision draw which was a Again, quite interesting. And then he beat Hassing Rackman in 2002. And then he fought Chris Bird, James Tony, Larry Donald. I mean, look at all the names that are on there. And as he decided to come back a little bit further down the line, at this point we start to think, you know, he should retire here. He goes in, starts fighting these lower-ranked lower names in the heavyweight division. And then he went in and beat... Uh, Francis Balfour which was in 2010 but before he beat Balfour in 2008 he actually fought the giant Nikolai Valuev in which was a controversial decision in that one because I felt he'd uh, he'd got the victory against Valuev Uh, should have been the WBA heavyweight champion yet again in 2008 But then he went in, fought Sherman Williams, which was a no contest, and then finished his career in 2011 against Brian Nielsen. So, again, both of them had fantastic Hall of Fame-worthy careers. You know, Holyfield, cruiserweight champion, heavyweight champion multiple times. Lennox Lewis, multiple heavyweight champion. Just just two great fighters and, uh, you know... Two great fighters that shared the ring together twice and gave us some of the best rounds of boxing.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Evander Holyfield, you know, he's still the only guy to be a undisputed champion at cruiserweight and heavyweight. Three-time world champion. Um, unbelievable career. Uh, I, I mean, you, you touched on the, the value of the fight. I mean, that was a dreadful fight. Absolutely. Disgusting. <laughs> it was a poor result, but it was a really bad fight as well he really should have knocked it on the head at that point. But yeah, I mean, I mean, just even Len- Lennox Lewis, I mean, 100% Hall of Famer. He-, he obviously finally got the Tyson fight, which I was really pleased about. I remember having debates till the sun come up with my mates about whether who's going to win this fight. And um, I always just fancied Lewis just just for the jab and I knew he'd keep Tyson at bay and I just felt that Tyson wasn't at his peak but what a brilliant fight that was and all the, the drama and all the build up but that was one of, for me that was, it was one of his best performances I just thought he was outstanding that night against Mike Tyson and obviously the head of the Vitality where he, he got he got stopped he was actually up on all three of the uh, scorecards uh clips go and obviously got stopped because of the cut which which i think had about 60 odd stitches in so it was a really bad one but it looked like it was going to have the rematch vitale and i think lewis probably thought i'm not going to win the rematch so he called it a day he done the right thing whereas around the holyfield where we talk about the heart and the desire of holyfield and you you see that throughout his whole career but i just think maybe that he had such a big heart that he just didn't know when to start he just kept going and uh, and and he probably needed to call it a day a lot earlier than he did. Um, obviously on to 2011 was, wasn't a good wise move, but you know, still an absolute legend, a hall of fame at a pair of them. And it was, uh, great looking back on, on, a, on a huge huge night of boxing. Okay, it didn't live up to the bill, but in terms of quality of the fight, it was still a quality fight. It was still, hunt, like you know, they showed how much ability they both had. Um, but in terms of just brutality, if you like, <laughs> it, was, it didn't quite live up to that. But a magnificent fight. Obviously, with all the controversy that surrounded it, but two great heavyweights and would always go down as uh, absolute legends.
1: And that is the episode. So if you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Legendary Knights, the tale of Holyfield vs. Lewis, and you know what to do, you know to go and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or on Podbean or on Stitcher Spreaker, player FM Spotify. Find us on Twitter at BCR Boxing Pod and facebook btr boxing podcast so this is this week's legendary Nights, holyfield versus lewis check out the polls coming over the coming weekend for the next episode and you get your chance to vote on that so please exercise your right to vote on this particular next fight and we've really enjoyed covering this one johnston as always thank you so much for coming on this thank, thank you very you. much
4: for letting me on on the episode again and, and keep up the good work Sean doing great work BTR Boxing check it out subscribe
1: well, that's it guys thanks for listening see you next time and right
2: now Thomas Burns is an open book for Ray Leonard backs up against the ropes this is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport the first loss a tremendous victory Leonard fighting off the ropes it happened it
3: happened never